Good evening. Happy Thursday. This is Talking Sports with Evan. Yes, I know I'm a half hour early, but put 8 o'clock down as a uh, the latest I was going to start today because I had to get my workout in, and depending on how late that went, but plenty of time doing the show early. And I want to thank all the people who watch and uh, listen to the podcast. And I do apologize for the ones that do want the audio version of the show. Uh, last week's show, unfortunately, I'm not put up yet. But that will be coming up along with this one um, tomorrow morning. So I'll give you a chance to check out the video and see my ugly face for a little bit first before we <clears throat> put the podcast up. And a few things I wanted to talk about here today. The NBA playoffs about to start. Going to talk about that and who I think the Bucks' biggest challenge is going to be in the uh, NBA playoffs. They're still waiting to see who they're going to play in the first round. Should find We're going to find that out son, uh, tomorrow, Friday evening, when the Heat and the Bulls play to see who the Bucks are finally going to play. Not sure who that will be yet, but we'll find out soon enough. I'm going to talk about that play-in tournament either because I'm not a big fan of it. I'm going to talk about why I'm not either. Two weeks into the baseball season, Brewers sitting at eight and four, take on the Padres a little later tonight. Uh, another reason why I started early so I could watch uh, that game tonight. I'm going to talk about the Brewers. I'm going to talk about the cha- the new rules that baseball put into place for the 2023 season and my thoughts on them and the fact that the Brewers are on the West Coast right now. There's a big reason why that I, the big thing that I like about the current rules and if you're watching live uh comment what are your thoughts on the current rules that baseball has put into place with the pitch clock and banning of the shift and and whatnot let me know what you think of it do you like it so far do you not like it why don't you like it and i can see both arguments for it but for the fact that the brewers are playing on the west coast there's a reason i like it i'm gonna get into that the nfl draft a couple weeks away Packers have a number of holes that they need to fill. I'm going to talk about their biggest needs going into the draft and who are some names in the draft that the Packers should keep an eye on, um, especially with that 15th pick in the first round. I will once again be doing a live show during the NFL draft, um, finalizing the details of that. Uh, Emlyn is going to be joining me again. And I'm going to try to work out some other guests to come on throughout the night and discuss the NFL draft. And finally, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is still a Packer. Seeing a lot of Packer and Jets fans going back and forth on social media. Both sides are, are idiots. Uh, Packers are thinking the Jets are idiots for various reasons. And Jet fans are thinking Packer fans are idiots and the Packers are idiots because they think they can get uh, bigger capital for Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to give my thoughts on that and why people just need to tap the brakes a little bit. And when this trade will be done, I'm going to give mention that as well. So going to start off with the NBA playoffs and the Milwaukee Bucks and uh, who I think the Bucks' biggest challenge is going to be in trying to win their second title in three years. The Bucks are still waiting to see who they play in the first round, the Bulls or the Heat. And the Nuggets are waiting to see who they play between the Thunder and the Timberwolves. I'm hoping the Thunder win. They're a young, fun team to watch, and I think them and the Nuggets 
would be a much better series than the imploding and uh, internal beefing, internal fighting that we're seeing in the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think the, the Thunder would be a much better option against the Nuggets. Now, I don't think it matters who either team which either team wins and both play in games for that eighth and final seed. I think the the Bucks and the Nuggets are going to have their way with whoever they do happen to play. Again, I don't think the the team matters. And looking through the playoffs, you got the Nets and the 76ers. That should be a pretty fun series to watch. The Hawks and the Celtics. The Hawks beat the the Heat quite easily the other night. They're going up against Boston, and Boston should win that in four easy. The Knicks and the Cavaliers would be a fun series to watch. Two young up-and-coming teams fighting to see who takes down the Bucks in round two, assuming the Bucks get past uh, the Heat or the Bulls, which I'm not too concerned about that. Warriors and Kings, I think the Warriors are going to get the win in that series over the Kings. Unfortunately, the Kings have been a great story, but I just think the Warriors are more battle-tested, and even with their horrendous road record, record I think they're – I think. The, I think the stage is going to be too big for the for the uh, for the Kings. Um, I think the Cavaliers are going to beat the Knicks. I think the 76ers will beat the the Nets. I guess since I made my other comment, the Lakers and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies should win that game pretty handedly. So that series, I mean, pretty handedly. They they're fast, quick guard play can attack the hoop. Lakers. I, I just don't see the Lakers beating the Grizzlies. You got the Clippers and the Suns. That should be fun. Um, the the Suns with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, if he can stay healthy, which has been a big problem the past couple years for Kevin Durant. The Clippers, who got on quite the run since bringing in Russell Westbrook, which is kind of weird because the Lakers were not playoff bound, got rid of Westbrook, and now they're playoff bound. And the Clippers have stayed steady with Westbrook as part of that team. And like I said, the Nuggets play the winner of the Thunder and Timberwolves, and the Bucks play the winner of the Bulls and the Heat. The Bulls and the, I mean, the the Bucks are going to beat the Bulls or the Heat, or and the Nuggets are going to beat the Thunder or the Timberwolves. So my comment was, my my topic was, who is going to give the Bucks their biggest challenge in the NBA playoffs? And that's a very easy answer. It's going to be the Boston Celtics. The Bucks can beat. The, the Bulls are the Heat. We've seen it over and over. Um, the the Bucks are just superior to those two teams. In the next round, they'd get the winner of the Knicks and the Cavaliers. Um, the the Bucks, if they're focused and healthy, neither of those teams I can see giving the Bucks uh, a huge challenge. Maybe it goes six games, but I don't see a game seven happening there either. Boston is the the problem. Boston has wings and and Brown and uh, and Tatum that the Bucks have struggled to slow down. Smart and Brogdon are two good pieces in, to that rotation. Uh, Smart being a former, granted he probably shouldn't have won, but Smart being a former Defensive Player of the Year. Horford is on his farewell tour, playing his final few games in the NBA, and Boston is a very solid and well coached team. The Bucks brought Jay Crowder in for this one reason and one reason only, and that is to get past the Boston Celtics. But I think Boston gives them the biggest challenge that they're going to face in the entire playoffs, including if they make the NBA Finals. 
But like I, I think the Bucks win in a seven-game series. Yes, they've been completely blown out twice by Boston, and the other time they barely beat Boston in overtime when Boston wasn't playing anybody. But I think the Bucks are the better team overall. And I think if the Bucks are healthy, they got a healthy Giannis, a healthy Middleton, a healthy Holiday, Lopez, Bobby, Crowder, Connaughton, Allen, uh, Ingles. That's a tough team to beat. And I think the Bucks get that victory because the Bucks have shown too when they're totally focused, they're a tough team to beat. The Western Conference to me is pretty open. I think it's going to be between the Warriors and the Suns. I've been banging that drum pretty much since the um, I had Tristan Thomas on a few weeks back. The Warriors and the Suns are the two teams you got to watch out for the most come playoffs, and I still think that's the case. I think the I think the Warriors get into the finals. Believe it or not, from that six. Uh, from that seven, uh, six seed, I mean, from that six seed, I think the Warriors go on a run. And I think the Warriors make the NBA Finals for the second year in a row. And I think we're going to see a Bucks and Golden State Finals series, which I wish we would have saw last year. I think that would have been a great series between those two teams. And I think the Bucks win the NBA title for the second time in three years. That's what I think the playoffs are going to do. That's how I think they're going to play out. Because, again, as long as the Bucks are healthy, because all three times they played Boston, they weren't completely healthy. If the Bucks are fully healthy, I like the Bucks' chances against Boston in a seven-game series. I don't fear the Knicks or the Cavaliers. I don't fear the Bulls or the Heat. I like the Bucks' chances, to be honest, against every team in the West except the Grizzlies. And the reason why the Grizzlies scare me is they're just so quick at the guard position, and they're a bad matchup for Milwaukee. But that's what I think is going to happen with the NBA playoffs. Major League Baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers, first place in the Central, sitting at 8-4, and four, a good start by Milwaukee. Injuries starting to take a toll. Brandon Woodworth is on the 15-day DL with shoulder inflammation or discomfort. Adrian Hauser is yet to pitch. Um, Jesse Winker has been dealing with an illness. Hopefully he's healthy soon. But the Milwaukee Brewers offensively, much better than they were last year, batting as, as a team 264, 350, uh, 430 and 750 OPS. Um, they are they're a, they only have 15 home runs thus far this season, so they're finding different ways to score. The one concern thus far is 114 strikeouts uh, currently to 52 walks, so they're still striking out quite a bit. That is concerning, but I think that's just who the Brewers are. Um, but the night that fact that they're not a all or nothing home run hitting team thus far. They're finding ways to manufacture runs. I think is great. And they're able to get guys over. Yelich has been up and down thus far um, early on this season offensively. But the young guys, Terang, Weimer, uh, Mitchell, they've been playing pretty damn good baseball. And Willie Adamas has been on fire so far this season. It's still early. We're two weeks in. Nothing to get, you know, super overly excited about because baseball can change in a hurry. A week from now, the Brewers can be in third place in the division because they had a bad week. That's why I like taking baseball in week segments. So two weeks ago was opening day. Last week was one weekend. This week we're two weeks in. 
liking what I'm seeing from Milwaukee. Corbin Burns came out this week after two bad starts, looked dominant, and then some against Arizona on Tuesday, which I think was great to see. And I think Corbin Burns is going to continue to be a great pitcher for Milwaukee this season as they work on, uh, you know, trying to win that division. I like the Brewers' chances. And tip your hats, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay sitting here undefeated, 13-0, and tying the Brewers and the Braves for best start in, base, in baseball history, winning their first 13 games, the 82 Braves and the 87 Brewers. So great job there, too. And that leads me right into what I want to talk about next with baseball, and that's the new rules, the pitch clock especially. I'm liking the pitch clock a little bit. I was a little unsure during spring training when I'm working behind the board at 620, when I'm doing the highlights for the Brewers and the Brewer post game show local to Milwaukee. I definitely love the pitch clock because these games are flying, meaning we get to the post game show quicker, meaning I get out of work quicker. But besides the point, the people I asked on Twitter and I'd have to go back and look, I asked last Friday, People's thoughts on the pitch clock. So I'm going to go look for that really quick. And. um, Sorry. <laughs> but a lot of interactions lately on Twitter. So um, all time brewers. I actually enjoy the pace in person more than I would have expected. Um, mentions there were a couple violations, but there are also a ton of pitcher, uh, pitchers ready and throwing well before the clock hit five. And at times before the batter is even required to be ready, but were players seem to be catching on and get stay ready. Um, Matt Carroll, um, he goes, he noticed it because the Mets had four violations and uh, that particular day he was there. Nate comments, I'll be honest, I didn't notice too much of a difference. I enjoy, I enjoy it more on TV, especially when they're on the, the Brewers are on these West Coast road trips in um Arizona now in San Diego during the week these games are getting done around 12 12 30 one o'clock sometimes depending on how, the pace of the game but the game Tuesday and of course you know Corbin Burns was just mowing people down left and right that game was done by before 11 o'clock I like that <laughs> I can watch a West Coast game and be in bed by 10, 11 o'clock when the Brewers play in L.A. or in San Diego. I don't mind that one bit. I I actually kind of like that a little bit. I haven't been to a game yet. I'm figuring out which game I'm going to go to first. Uh, Might go next week against Boston. Might go the week after against the Angels. May not not be able to go till May. I am going to the uh, game, the golf night giveaway. I'm going to that game. So I'll be interested to see what I think of the pace of the game when I'm when I'm physically there as a fan. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like. But overall, I like the pace of the game is going. It's getting rid of a lot of the standing around. It's getting rid of a lot of the dead time between pitches. The I saw somebody brought this up um, the other day. They're watching uh, one of Ryan Braun's uh, walk off home runs. I I think in the 08 against the, I don't know, but it's one of Ryan Braun's many walk-off home runs. And the clip took five minutes because there's a lot of 
Braun stepping out, adjusting his glove, the pitcher shaking things off, the pitcher stepping off, the pitcher throwing at the first, the pitcher throwing at the first, the pitcher throwing at the first, Braun stepping off, Braun stepping in, Braun stepping off, the ump granting time. Just a lot of dead time and a lot of things that aren't needed. And the players are catching on. Um, I, I know there are a bunch of pitch clock violations within that first week, but you don't see them as frequently anymore. And I think that's a good thing. And I think it's going to be good as fans and players adjust. Now it'll be interesting to see what happens, pushing beer to be done after the eighth inning now until the seventh. And the biggest reason why it was always the seventh inning. So it gives you time. If you've been drinking during the game and people throw a lot back. Um, it gives you time um it gives you time to it gives you time to sober up a little bit before the drive home and with the pay quicker games you're not getting the beer sales so now you want to push it back to the eighth inning but what you're doing is you're giving people less time between the eighth and the ninth inning to kind of sober up a little bit so that is something worth keeping an eye on I think the seventh inning was fine, even with the new rules. I know the people that really enjoy their beer at the games are happy that they get a little bit longer to drink. But I honestly, when I'm physically in the stadium, when I'm physically at American Family Field, I might only have one or two during the course of the game. My like, And people, I'm not, I'm not trying to gatekeep how you watch games and whatnot. But when I'm in a game, I maybe have like one or two, sometimes a third. You know, in the parking lot, I'll, I'll let loose a little bit. But when I'm in the ballpark, my focus is typically on the game. And I want to remember the experience. And I also don't want to make an ass out of myself in front of people that can, you know, tell stories later on to embarrass me. So I, I, I've had that happen before. So I'm very cautious. Ca- ca- I'm very cautious now when it comes to letting loose too much when I'm in a public setting like that, and especially if it's people I, I may work with. Because the last few games I've been to are with people I work with. So we'll see how the, how the beer sales go moving forward. NFL draft, a couple weeks away. Packers have some holes they got to fill. I think the most glaring holes are tight end, safety, edge, defensive line, right around those areas. But they also have a need at kicker. They also have a need on the offensive line. They have a need at wide receiver. And they also have a need at running back. And I know you're thinking running back. Why running back? They got two great running backs already in Jones and Dylan. But the thing is, Dylan is in, is in the last year of his contract. And the way Aaron Jones' contract is, he likely won't be here beyond 2023. So you need you can't be stuck in the same position you were stuck in in the wide receiver room when you traded Devontae Adams where you had to rely on rookies and Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard to lead your wide receiver room. The Packers used to be very good at planning for the future, which as a general manager, you have to do. Ted Thompson drafted Greg Jennings when he still had Donald Driver. He drafted Jordy Nelson when he and James Jones when he had Jennings and Driver. He drafted Devontae Adams when he had Jordy and um, you know, Jordy and James Jones 
they used to always kind of plan a few years ahead because you're looking at what contracts are expiring and which ones you're likely not going to be able to re-sign, like a Greg Jennings, and you got to be ready when those guys leave the room. And later, Ted Thompson, and so far with Goot, with exception of offensive line, the Packers haven't done a good job at stacking up for the future. And that's something that Goody needs to focus on right now, bring guys in that contribute now and look at areas to help the team in 2024 and 2025. That's what the GM Goody needs to do. And they got to get pieces around Jordan Love too. The wide receiver room right now is a huge question mark. Yes, Christian Watson showed a lot of promise. Yes, Romeo Dobbs showed a lot of promise, but they were both hurt a lot. They were both hurt often. And they're still just second-year players. Are they going to take that? You can't just assume they're going to take that second-year jump. Some guys don't. Some guys need to wait till year three to take that big, biggest jump. Because the game, well, this game is easy my, my, my rookie year. Wow, it's a lot harder year two. Th- year three, I'm ready to fly. And then Torrey, seventh-round pick, you don't know what he's going to be. And you got a bunch of practice squad guys who have no business being on an NFL roster to round out your wide receiver room. You got to add depth and you got to get a veteran or two in that room, too. Tight end, you have two guys, a special teamer in Davis and a gadget type player in Degara who hasn't shown much yet this far, thus far in his career. Going into year four, time for him to put up or shut up, but you still need bodies in that room. Offensive line. This is likely Bakhtiari's last year in Green Bay. Yash Nijman might be his last year in Green Bay. He might play his way out of Green Bay's price range. You spent a lot of guys, and then John Runyon's in the last year of his contract. Um, I think your center is in the last year or two of his contract. And Myers, let's be honest, has not been that good. Consistency has been his biggest problem throughout his career thus far. So that that offensive line room is going to be a problem quite quickly if you don't address it now. I know they drafted a bunch of guys last year and the year before, but hey, competition brings out the best in everybody. And if competition doesn't bring out the best in you, you have no business being on an NFL roster. Kicker, who knows what's going to happen with Mason Crosby. I'm not saying draft kicker, but I'm saying really break down that position and figure out what you need. Edge position. Preston Smith, probably in the last year of his contract. Um, Rashawn Gary's a free agent after this year, and he's coming off a torn ACL. So you don't know exactly what you're going to get a year removed from that ACL injury, and you don't know if you're going to have him ready to go week one, and that's a pretty thin room. And safety, (laughs) you got Darnell Savage (laughs) and Rudy Ford pretty much at your safety position. Ford's a better special teamer. Savage. I guess he's better in the slot. He hasn't shown much of anything, unfortunately, since the second half of his uh, second year in the league, or maybe it was the first half. Either way, he had uh, showed promise early working year, got hurt, showed promise his second year in the league, and he's been garbage ever since. So basically lots of problems and lots of issues the Packers need to address. Some names that have been mocked to Green Bay in the first round, uh, or second round to consider, Brian Branch from Alabama. I personally wouldn't take him in the first round. Doesn't grade out very well from an athletic profile. 
doesn't really play anywhere. He, you know, he's not really a safety. He's more of a slot guy. Is he an outside corner? I, he, he doesn't really have a position. Dalton Kincaid is a name I've seen thrown around. Yes, the Packers need a tight end, but do you really want to take one at 15? And he's a guy that's going to help you in the passing game tremendously, fairly quickly, depending on how quickly he takes down to the NFL. But that tight end position is very hard to pick up. It's a tough position to learn in the NFL. Because in college, you're either strictly a blocker or you're strictly a route runner. One or the other. The NFL, they prefer you to be able to do a little bit of everything. But typically, um, otherwise, they got to you know, keep a guy like Mercedes Lewis on the roster well past his expiration date because you need guys that can block up front. Lucas Van Ness, edge player out of Iowa. Uh, Hercules is his nickname. Not a ton of production in college. He's a, he reminds me a lot of Rashawn Gary. Athletic profile jumps off the ta- off the charts. The athletic profile and what we see on tape doesn't match all the time. Didn't start at all in college, but he's a guy that could be a guy that can do some damage from that edge position fairly quickly. Um, those are names we've seen in the first round. Mike Meyer from uh, from Notre Dame, tight end. Another guy. I'm not taking him 15 personally. He's more of a he's a blocker and he. Is very good at catching contested footballs. But what that says to me, he's not good at getting open consistently. If I'm drafting wide receiver in the first round, Jackson Smith and Jarbra um, and Jigbra, that's the guy I'm looking at. He's uh, from Ohio State, great route runner, very explosive player, had a great Rose Bowl um, two years ago. Only played three games last year. But in 2021, 95 catches, 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns, six drops in those 95 catches. He has 347 yards in the Rose Bowl that year, put up great numbers, even with White and Olave next to him. He's a guy I'm looking at. Um, Quinn Johnson is another guy I would consider in that first round as well. Offensive line-wise, let me get my O-line sheet out. Sorry, I should have had that ready to go. But I had it at wide receiver already. But the tackle tackle positions I like, I really like Paris Johnson. I really like Darnell Wright. Um, Dewan Jones, some of these aren't going to be first-round guys, but I do like him. Other tight ends I like outside of the uh, Meyer, who I would prefer to take in the second round. He won't be there. And Kincaid, Darnell Washington is a name to keep a track of. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, Sam Laporta. Um, Laporta, I would take in like four, round four or five rather than reaching on a Kincaid in the first round. They're similar players, but Laporta is going to be a, a better, you know, you're not going to draft a premium pick on a tight end who takes a year or two to really develop. Uh, Pete Skaronsky, former uh, Northwestern player, his grandpa played for Green Bay. That's a good option for Green Bay. Uh, Brian Brace, Tyree Wilson, if those guys drop in the first round, are options to look at. Miles Murphy, Nolan Smith. Other guys to look at, I'm not mentioning Will Anderson for the fact that he'll probably be a top three pick and the Packers aren't going to trade up for that. Um, and corner, Devin Weatherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., Christian Gonzalez, 
Deontay Banks, all guys that could be there in that 15 range. And then you can take a guy like Sidney Brown at safety later in the draft, Jordan Battle at safety, more of a traditional safety later in the draft. Those are all guys to look at if you're Green Bay. And I'm excited for the draft and coming up very soon. And like I said, we are going to have our draft special coming up as well. Uh, My draft special, I should say, uh, Emlyn Thomas um, should be joining me for that show on April 27th in the first round of the draft. And finally, Aaron Rodgers news. There is no Aaron Rodgers news. He is still a Green Bay Packer. He's not been traded to the Jets. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime before the draft. And I've been saying all along, and I've had people tell me, no, he'll get traded well before that. I've been saying all along that he won't be traded before the NFL draft. And it'll happen probably the Thursday, the night during that day, or that night of, or even Friday before the second round. That's when the trade is going to action because – Theoretically, for both teams to get what they want, the draft to be the best time to do it because the Jets are going to know what type of draft capital they have and the Packers are going to have guys who they can draft this year to help. So, again, thank you so much for watching. This is Talking Sports with Evan. The NBA playoffs are here. And if you want to go to the NBA playoff, go to, instead of, doing your Ticketmaster or your whatever ticket account to pay ridiculous amounts in fees, go to my Twitter account at Evan with Sports Ogre or go to my Facebook page, Evan with Allison. Click on the link. And Facebook, it'll be a Linktree link. On Twitter, the link is right there, TickPick. Click on that link, and it is going to show you ticket prices for no hidden fees. The only thing you're paying is the ticket price of the game plus whatever the tax is. And right now, you can get one of their hot seats right now, uh, best deal, row 22, section 114. They have eight tickets available for $128 each. Lowest price, section uh, 219, row 13. $74 $74 each. They have two tickets available. Um, section 108, 167, 208, 107. That's right at, you know, basically 208 is the second 200 level and right in the middle, basically, of the court. You can get stuff at the corners for relatively good prices. And again, you're not paying any fees. The money you're paying is the money that is showing. So go to Twitter at Evan with Sports at E V A N W I T S P O R T S. Click on the link in my bio for TickPick. Click there and buy your ticket. Sign up for an account. Get some additional money off for your first ticket purchase when you sign up. Go to Facebook, click on my link tree, and click on TickPick. No fee tickets and buy your NBA playoff tickets and save yourself a bundle on ticket fees. So with that, I will talk to you all next week, hopefully talking about some Bucks wins, hopefully talking about some Brewer victories. The Brewers continue their great start, hopefully. 
And will Aaron Rodgers be traded? We will find out next week if Aaron Rodgers is, in fact, still a Packer or is he traded. Have a good rest of your week, everybody. Help if I hit the right button. There we go.